Praise the Lord. Well, you're going to have a feast tonight because um, Maria's going to continue in our series on, can I mention what it is? On Sabbath as resistance. So let's welcome Maria. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. What was that? Cheesecake? Oh, am I more popular tonight because I brought cheesecake? Oh, I must remember to do that before I'm going to minister because you're all now, you've got your sugar high. There were, and spin classes. Yeah, no, you're not going to come to them. Cheesecake. There's a few pieces left if anybody didn't get any cheesecake and they want some. Um, can we get my presentation on the screen, please? So just a little review whilst we're waiting for it to actually come up. Um, oh, it's up now. So we, I've talked over last weekend about the real importance of Sabbath in our lives and the fact that God has created it for us. You know, I'm listening to a book at the moment and it very much talks about how God has created this window in time in the week, especially for us, especially for us to encounter him, especially in us to rest, especially that we might, we just sang, I'll never run dry, I'm not lacking anything. And the truth is, if we actually go with that rhythm of life that God has built into creation, he rested on the seventh day, we will experience abundant life. It's just so crucial. And I'm preaching this to myself as much as I'm preaching it to you because it's a huge um, shock (laughs) to the system, for me anyway, to stop. It really is. It's really hard. You know, I'm on week four or five now and each one has been different but each one has had its challenges as well as the kind of richness of the blessings. So the whole thing about the J curve that I talked about, you know, the economic thing that sometimes things don't always go like they're supposed to to start off with is the truth. You kind of have a dip and then you come up to a place. So I talked about Sabbath and restfulness, the fact that our society is driven by this innate restlessness, this frenetic uh, kind of activity 24-7. Culture is pressing us, pushing us. We need more. We've got to have more. We're going to not be satisfied because we're never going to be satisfied with what the world has to offer us. We're only ever going to be satisfied in God. So if you miss the first two, you need to probably go back and just... uh, Listen to them, listening to how God wants it to be. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, who are overburdened, and I will give you rest. And he says that in the context of two other stories that he tells about Sabbath. We look at Hebrews 4 and it describes the people of God missing the promise to enter the rest. But the fact that all of us can inherit that promise to enter his rest. And all of us have that opportunity. He's created that window in time. He's not created a place. He's created a time every single week for us to step into and experience a measure of his refreshing and fullness that we really need. You getting it? Okay. So um, who actually tro- has actually embarked on a little bit of the journey post last week hands up okay now I haven't primed anybody except for Suzanne but Suzanne's going to just quickly come and share and you know we can have a couple of testimonies in here I can't have everybody get up and testify but if there's another person that wants to we can this is your thinking time so so I've been I've been saying for the last few months I just need a day when I haven't got an agenda when it's not, I can't do that because I need to do this, this, and this. And it's been a battle because it's like, I knew I needed to do this, this, and this. And I, I need to be organized. Otherwise, I feel like I go into the week disorganized. And so I've, I've had this continual battle for the last few months. Um, but I'd already arranged last Sunday to meet some family for coffee. So when Maria talked about Sabbath, I'm like, okay, this is going to be my Sabbath. And um, I woke up on Sunday morning. And in that moment when I'm like, half awake half asleep thinking shall I get out of bed now or not the Lord said this is the day to enjoy my presence so I'm like okay I'm getting out of bed now my biggest struggle the whole day was 
I'm putting everything off till tomorrow. And I'm, I felt like I was, I was creating this huge mammoth task for Monday because I wasn't doing any of it on Sunday. And the Lord said to me, it's a new rhythm of life. And although it seems hard today, as you get into that rhythm and you, you get into a place where you've entered into my rest, then you're going to have the energy when you need the energy and you're going to be able to rest when you need to rest. So I'm trusting him that it's getting better. <laughs> And that I'm not going to feel like I'm like, oh no, tomorrow, it's a nightmare. Um, so, yeah, it's a work in progress, but it's definitely worth it. Amen. Amen. Anybody else want to quickly, anybody else want to be brave to share? No? Okay. I won't dwell then. Um, one thing Suzanne just, when she was speaking, it kind of reminded me, um, I was talking to Jeff about Sabbath, uh, very briefly, actually, earlier in the week. And he said, you know, you said about how you can, you can do your, you can choose when you do have Sabbath. He did say, and it was a challenge to me, and he's right. Well, I, I agree that he's right. He said, but actually Sabbath is on the Sabbath. So, you know, I said, you can ch- choose your time frame. I think that, that we can all choose the time frame. Let's get into the rhythm of having the time. But he said, I think, you need to just ask the Lord about how you can orientate your life so you can actually take Sabbath on Sabbath rather than a random day in the week or a different day in the week. That's a challenge to all of us. And he said, you know, don't get judged about it. God's not going to condemn you if you, you don't. You know, the first thing is actually let's do it. <laughs> let's get on the page. Let's move towards a place where we can I mean, I want to. My heart is, yeah, I really, I really wanted to do it today, but it was physically impossible. I started at six o'clock when we started to worship tonight. That is my next, my next 24 hours because I had all these meetings and stuff and things to do. So I had to get those things done. But now I know I have 24 hours and I'm entering into that place and I'm already enjoying the fact that I'm going to have time to stop and delight in him. So very quickly then. Behaviour economists, advertising, we talked about advertising, attempting to monetize our existence. We're inculturated to want more. Even from the little child who's got their toys, their first set of toys, they've never got enough, have they? I've got this Lego set, but I want this Lego set now. We know, that's just how, I mean, I was. I was definitely like that. I've got this sort of bike, but I really, you know, I really want it. I hope my mum's not watching tonight. But when I was, she has watched, she did watch last weekend, um, I always wanted a BMX bike. I was so, I so wanted a BMX bike when I was a child. I had a bike, but I wanted this BMX bike. And I think I probably need some ministry over it because I, st- I can still remember the fact that I still wanted a BMX. It's because they did all the stunts, you know, the wheelies and the jumps. And I used to have to borrow other children's bikes in the neighborhood to do the ramps and to do the jumps and to do the bunny hops and all that kind of thing. I know. I am, yeah. The point I'm making is, even as a a 10 or 11-year-old, there was that press and that drive to want something different, to want something more. I know I'm somewhat like that now. You know, whichever Garmin gadget I've got, you know, I always want the next Garmin gadget, the next one that's going to be updated because of that. It's true. I'm just, I'm being honest and transparent here. I am very, what? More ministry, yeah. I'm very much saying that I identify with this because we are indexed that way. Is there a practice from Jesus to mitigate? Yes, there absolutely is. Sabbath as restfulness, as rhythm. And in Exodus, we see the command saying to keep the Sabbath holy. Overwork and underwork rob us of the capacity to live as God intended. So interestingly, the command in Exodus links back to creation. Perhaps you might like to open up Exodus, actually, just so that you can actually see this, because I think it's quite relevant. Uh, Exodus is going to be around 19 or 20, I think. I thought I'd put it in the slides, but I don't know whether I have. Yeah, it is here. So in the third month, Sivan... After the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. And then you have the narrative. 
uh, about uh, Moses going up to the mountain and you see the Ten Commandments coming in chapter 20, verses 2 onwards. And they go through, so 1 to 3 is about the Lord loving God, not having foreign gods, not bowing down to them and not taking his name in vain. And then the fourth commandment says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days, for in six days, the Lord created the heavens and the earth, all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Now, just let me read something from Walter Brueggemann about this, because he says the Sabbath command recalls that God rested on the seventh day of creation, an allusion to Genesis 2 verses 1 to 4. That divine rest on the seventh day of creation has made clear, A, that Yahweh is not a workaholic. It's true. B, that Yahweh is not anxious about the full functioning of creation. He's not worried about it. He's not anxious that if we stop on the seventh day, it's all going to go to pieces. And C, that the well-being of creation does not depend on endless work. This performance and exhibit of divine rest thus characterize the God of creation, creation itself, and the creatures made in the image of the resting God. This is a great book, by the way, if you want a book to get into it. This is called Sabbath as Resistance, and it's by a guy called Walter Brueggemann. So the first time the commandment comes to the people of Israel, it's about remembering it to keep it holy. And there's that link back to because God created the earth in six days, creation, and on the seventh he rested. Now, Genesis to Deuteronomy is obviously known as the Torah, tells a story that takes place over decades. There are, did you know this, 40 years between the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy. Exodus and Deuteronomy are written to two different generations. Exodus is written to those fresh out of slavery in Egypt, whereas Deuteronomy is talking to the next generation who had no felt experience of slavery. The actual word Deuteronomy comes from the Greek word deutero, which means second, and nomos, which is law. And it literally means second law or the second Torah written to the next generation 40 years later. So the first set of commandments in um, Deuteronomy 5. Sorry. First set of commandments come at Mount Sinai in the third month. The second set of commandments around this come on the edge of the Jordan before they go into the promised land. Moses retells the salient parts of the, t- the Torah with, this, with regards to the Sabbath. You can have a look at Deuteronomy 5. You can get it open ready. To the first generation, it's remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. To the next generation, the word is slightly different. Have you noticed this before? Has anybody noticed before? Because I hadn't noticed it before. Definitely hadn't noticed it before. Observe the Sabbath to keep it holy. Two different words used as this commandment, part of this commandment. This second time when he's speaking to the second generation... He says, remember to observe. The Hebrew word there used is a word called shama. You've heard of the shama prophet, haven't you? Yeah? And that word means to keep watch over, to guard. It's used in Genesis. I've put Genesis XXX. That's for you to fill the blank in, by the way. No? Nobody's laughing. Never mind. (laughs) When Adam is commissioned to watch over the garden... I haven't actually gone as far as go back into the presentation and put the reference in. So you need to put that reference in. Are you awake tonight? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You're resting. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Good one. Good one. Are you going to go horizontal? Yes, you're back now. You're in. So observe has obviously all of those meanings, but also you observe, you might observe and celebrate something such as a ceremony or a festival in a customary way. You know, we observe holidays, don't we? 
we have seen. Go on. Do you want to ask it on the microphone rather than... Go on. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 5. It might say watch. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have it up anyway in a sec, so don't worry. It says observe. Yeah. Whereas in Exodus it says remember. Sorry. It might say... So it, So the word shama... Oh, it says sanctifying yours, is it? Well, press on the Hebrew word, because if you do... I've done it on Strong's. Yeah, well, that's lovely, but uh, the Hebrew word is shamar, and the Hebrew word, when you open it in Strong's, says that the most frequent translation of it is observe. Here is why we all need to learn the scriptures in their original language. Everybody cheered at that point, didn't they? (laughs) Oh, dear. It's going to be hard work. I might only do half of this tonight. (laughs) Okay. Observe the Sabbath. It's like, and this is a really great way of thinking about it, it's like a weekly holiday. Holy day. It is. God has created in that time for us every week a weekly holiday. Holy day. Are you not excited about that? I mean, you should be excited about that. And you know, in Jewish tradition, out of all of the appointed times of God, there are two days, two appointed times that are the most holy times. What's first and what's second? Not Jenny. I mean, not Jenny. She's not first or second. Not Jenny to answer the question because she knows the answer. Yeah, very good. Well done, Angela. Sabbath and atonement, first and second, are of the most holy days. So the command is to observe. It has a sense of obedience, like we observe the speed limits sometimes. I mean, I'm on video. Always. <laughs> it's the truth. We, we definitely observe the law to, in a set, yeah. We definitely observe the law to drive on the left-hand side of the road. Well, you know, you're in big trouble if you don't. And in the Sabbath prayers, the two candles, one represents remember, and the other candle represents the command to observe. She's got it. Do you want to bring it out? So everybody can see on the... And uh, when I was listening to John Mark Homer speaking about Sabbath, he talks about his two children and they, he always says, you know, they light the candles. They say to the children, you know, what, what do the candles represent? Remember and observe. But now they're like getting older. They're getting a bit fed up with this. We know what it means. You don't have to keep asking us. But remember and observe. Those are the two key. They're the two key commands. In Exodus, the command is linked to creation. And in Deuteronomy, the command is linked to deliverance from slavery in Egypt and slavery to a system, which is very much alive today. So that's why this is called Sabbath as resistance. Right, Ian, you wanted to ask a question. Dave is coming with a microphone. I hope I can answer it. Be ready, anybody else that might need to help me. Just say Saturday's always been a a special day. Saturday? For myself. Of yourself. From a young age, I always felt excited by Saturday. I didn't know why. It's beyond the football and and the sport. It was... Is, is it something special about Saturday? But do you think that um, the Sabbath also incorporates an element of fasting? We have to give up things because this morning I had a wonderful time lying in bed, reading the Bible. Then, then I was led by the Lord to read about this guy called James Tour, who's a Messianic Jew, who's a famous scientist. What about the, you know, in July we got the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11. Yeah. They had godly experiences in space. Then I dipped into a bit of football. Oh, yeah. Now, do, it tainted it a bit. Do you, think, oh, do you think we should really make an effort to really fast, say, from those things? Which That's interesting. You interesting you use a, it's interesting you use a word like fast, because I'm listening to this book um, by Abraham Hirschgall at the moment, who's a rabbi speaking on Sabbath. And again, I really highly recommend it, although it's very deep and you have to listen to it several times to actually get your head around some of what he's saying. Now, he would say that actually Sabbath is very much about feasting. It's about celebrating. But actually, there is a part of us that 
by choosing not to do certain things, we're going to experience a measure in God that we wouldn't if we, you know, it's like I said last week, if we spend our life, you know, if you can say after you've watched the football, you're going to break out in spontaneous, listen, I, I watched the football last night, it wasn't in my Sabbath though, might add, and I enjoyed the game, but I didn't break out in spontaneous worship, even though Liverpool won 5-0, that I was happy about that, but I, it didn't cause me to be drawn any closer to God or experience his power and his presence. Now, there are things that we might do on Sabbath that are activities. And if it indexes our heart towards him and causes us to delight in him, then I think that's a really good indicator of whether we should or whether we shouldn't. Well, it's if you see it like that. I don't think there's a, I mean, I, yeah. And I think some, the, some of the traditional thinking around, you know, why probably the church has resist, resisted Sabbath is because it got very legalistic. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Pharaoh system in a minute, which will challenge all of us. And it's probably one of the hardest dimensions to follow in terms of not buying into the culture and society and buying and selling on Sabbath, because that's difficult. Um, but I, I know what you're saying but I think you need to maybe change your language around it, that instead of giving it up, actually what you're doing is you're creating more space to do something which orientates your heart towards God. Ah, well, yes, then it is potentially, because, it's, because we've got an addiction, and I'll talk about that in a minute, to you know stuff that isn't necessarily giving us that rest in God. Steve, did you want to say something? Because you can. Anybody can contribute. Let's make this... No, I was, only, I was only going to say, just to answer part of your question, Ian, you said you felt really excited, and is there something special about Saturday? Be- because in Genesis 2, which Maria mentioned, it says on the seventh day, God blessed the seventh day and set the seventh day apart. He didn't set Wednesday apart. He didn't set the third day apart. He did set the Sabbath day, and he blessed the Sabbath day. None of the other days did God bless, but he did bless the Sabbath. So if we enter into it, then we're entering into that blessing, which we're not necessarily entering into on another day, as you've already explained, yeah. but it's good, yeah. yeah. You have I, another I think, question if you're... Well, I, yeah, yeah. I think God honours that we're choosing to allow, have that time, and I think the aspiration is definitely to try and make it Sabbath, that's what Jeff said. He said, you know, you've got to ha- in your heart, the desire is there to, and you make a plan. I mean, making a plan to have a Sabbath in the first place is quite a difficult one when you're living at 100 miles an hour and 24-7. So go on. Um, Absolutely. Um, so, yes, I agree entirely about the excitement and the anticipation of Saturday. But it, this is slightly different. Why Sabbath? Why not Shabbat? Why have we anglicized it? I imagine we're anglicizing. Are we anglicising? I think Where does a, it, I don't think the it, translators I, have always used the term Sabbath. Can yeah. we use We can use Shabbat, Shabbat? yeah. And I yes. use, it, use them interchangeably. Yes. There's yes. no significance I know the in there. But it makes it very much more noticeable, noticeably more Jewish. That's, that was just the issue. It is yeah. much more noticeably yeah. Jewish. And I talked about Shabbat last week. And it, it, week it might be an issue. Yeah. Do you want to say something, Jenny? You're looking poised. Yeah, it is interchangeable. Sabbath, Shabbat, English is, the English translation of Shabbat is Sabbath. So there are your two scriptures. Remember, keep, observe, and watch. I've put all three of the main translations there. Um, and if you see, because he says, wherefore the Lord blessed it and hallowed it in the first one. And it goes on there, because it says there, for in six days he made the heavens and the earth, and then... With the Deuteronomy one, it's, and remember, you were slaves in Egypt. Very interesting alternative. Let's have a little look then. So Sinai, it's all about the rhythm of life. On the edge of the Jordan, it's about resistance to Pharaoh's system. In Sinai, it's all about an invitation to delight in God, his world, your life in it. In Deuteronomy, there's an emphasis on never going back to that. Don't forget, because those guys didn't experience slavery. Their parents experienced slavery. 
So it's really saying you don't want to buy back into that system. You don't want to be part of that system. So Sinai, life-giving time, you know, we sang you're my source, life force that you tap into for your soul's health. And in Deuteronomy, it's a punk rock street protest against Pharaoh and his empire. Right? It's good, isn't it? And I like the punk rock bit. Everybody got that who wants to take a picture. So the whole sense of the slavery in Egypt, let's just get that um, up, um, is incredible. You know, the whole emphasis of Pharaoh. If you look at Exodus chapter 5 and the verses from verse 5 onwards, this is what he says to to Moses and the people. Why are you taking the people away from their work? Get to your labors. You want them to stop working. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But you shall require of them the same quantity of bricks as they have made previously. Do not diminish it, for they are lazy. Let heavier work be laid upon them. Then they will labor at it and pay no attention to deceptive words. I will not give you straw. Go and get straw yourselves wherever you can find it. But your work will not be lessened in the least. Complete your work, the same daily assignment as you were given straw. Why did you not finish the required quantity of bricks yesterday and today as you did before? You are lazy, lazy. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. That's verses 17 to 19, a paraphrase. Go now and work for no straw will be given. The rhetoric in here is is relentless. Relentless. There's a system. In that system, there can be no Sabbath rest. There is no rest for Pharaoh in his supervisory capacity, and he undoubtedly monitors daily production schedules. Therefore, there can be no rest for Pharaoh's supervisors, taskmasters, etc. The economy reflects the splendor of the gods who legitimate that entire system for which cheap labor is an indispensable footnote. Work all day, every day, until you die. No rest. That comes uh, out of Walter Brueggemann's book, but that is all linked to that whole sense that there is a system. And the system is no, long, is no different today. They're not just saved from a socioeconomic of system of an Egypt that is in turn legitimized by the false gods of empire, they're also called to remember that they are not slaves anymore. They're not slave drivers anymore. Why do you think, actually, there's that whole piece in the verse where it says, and your servants and everybody else can rest? Because, you know, often people that have been in slavery, the cycle is they then become oppressors. It's part of that curse. It's part of that system. So God's actually reinforcing, you're not slaves anymore. You're not slave drivers anymore. You are image bearers of God. Sabbath actually marks the people out as those. Rest is what comes when you are set free from God. Set free from God? Set free by God. Just checking you're awake still. So the Exodus story is the paradigm of salvation, freedom from slavery to a socio-economic system that is justified by the false gods of empire. You were slaves. There's an exaltation now. You are living in a new kingdom with a new king. There is no quota. There is no task force. Task force? That's a police word. Task master. And there are no supply cities. And you're not slave drivers anymore either. I've already said that about this, you know, their t- tendency. But there's a command there about how to treat their male or female servants. All are to experience the Sabbath. But then what about the Sabbath being the weekly reminder of Israel's identity? It sets them apart. They kept the Sabbath or the Shabbat and the Shabbat kept them. They survived for, mili- for, mi- for millennia. For hundreds of years without a land, without a government. And there's one commentator that says that actually the practice of Sabbath is what kept them. Because they had to live within walking distance of the synagogue. 
And so for millennia, whilst they did not have a government or a land, it kept their community together and intact. Can you imagine having to live within walking distance of here? Seriously? No, I mean, it would be... Suzanne. Yeah, Suzanne does, yeah. We're all moving on to your road, Suzanne, so we can all live here. Let's take the houses. Can you imagine it, though, if we did live... You know, the sense of community... Oh, is there? Okay. Okay. Thanks for that, Steve. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, the whole thing about community and living in community. It, in exile, it's, the Sabbath is what kept Daniel and his friends from being sucked into the host culture. And whether they were in Egypt, Babylon, Nazi Germany, Germany or wherever we are, whatever empire we're part of, actually Shabbat is something that will mark us out. Shabbat is something that will mark us out. I've had quite a few conversations with colleagues this week, one or two colleagues anyway, about Shabbat because it's impacted me so significantly and then I hear them talking about the pace that they're living at and I've said, do you know what? We never were designed or created to live like this and have this like, you know, just shared with them and said, I actually have started. And they were like, what? I said, yeah. No work computer switched off. I've just sent the last email, five to six. Sent it to my friend and said it is now going off for the next 24 hours. It's not going back on again. This will go off after this. I've printed all the Israel stuff I needed to print off, off. It's a big thing. The whole tech slight drives. So we have to, you know, we, ha- we might have opportunities to share with people because actually there's a desire in every single person for God to be their satisfaction. And actually, if we start to practice some of the things that he's put in his commandments and in the very rhythm of life, people are going to notice a difference because we're not going to be people running on an, a power bar on our phones that's, you know, next to the bottom. How is your power bar this week? Where is your power bar? Is it better? Four. Okay. <laughs> You know what my point is. Don't leave it until, you know, you're never going to run out and we're going to never go dry. Well, actually, if we don't recharge and restore and refresh, we will. <laughs> We've got to be obedient. So we're image bearers of God, not slaves, not subhumans. We are, we are who we are, loved by. We, we don't, we're loved by God. We don't need to do anything to be loved by him. We were created for a rhythm of work and rest. That's the subversive story of the people of God that keeps them being sucked into a culture, a pagan host culture. And Sabbath was and remains a line in the sand. We can never go back to Egypt and we will not become Egypt ourselves. We will live free. But at some level, we have to start to move towards that and embrace it. If we want it, if we want it. Pharaoh is alive and well, and so is system. I'm going to run through these really quickly. One, bill, uh, one dollar bill, you've got the picture of the pyramid. Pyramid's always been a symbol of empire. The global wealth pyramid, there are 70.1% at the bottom and at the top. It's a tiny fraction of humanity, but you know what? Most of us are in that top bit, or even in the top 10%. It's horrific to be a slave today. And our homes are full of things made by people in slavery. Let me just say that again. Our homes are full of things made by people in slavery. Now, that is not to put anybody or send anybody on a guilt trip. But we've got to recognize that we need to do something to resist the system, don't we? 28 million slaves in the world today, twice as many as were in the transatlantic trade. The cotton that makes our t-shirts, it's not for the past, it's for today, it's the, the, the world we live in today. The Bible is telling a story in Exodus, in Numbers, in Deuteronomy, in Leviticus, that never goes away. It's archetypal. It's written up in the library of scripture and stands for empires down the ages. A few more facts. 
We live in Egypt, Babylon, Roman Empire, whatever it is. We live in an, um, a place that has, uh, has, even if it isn't an empire like we knew the empires, it's still that empire spirit. It's not just an economic system either. It's a form of spirituality. It's the truth. Politics, religion, bad religions. I don't know what's a good religion, to be honest. I don't think any religion is good, really, is it? Not leading to love, peace, joy, but ideologies that have become idols and de facto gods which legitimize whatever version of empire people prefer. We live in a culture of restlessness and unquenchable, insatiable lust for more. We need the line in the sand. We spend twice as much and ten times as much on consumer goods. The stats on storage units in the USA. That is incredible. 2.3 billion square footage in storage units. That's unbelievable. Pharaoh is alive and well, and his system is. But you know what? We're not happier. Society is not happier. We're actually unhappier, according to the sociologist. And the decline began around the 50s which is when Sabbath began to decline. Because, you know, even if we did have the Sunday trading stuff, you know, it was about Sunday, not Saturday. But, you know, there was a day in the week where stuff did stop. And that was in our legislative, you know, framework. But now there is nothing. In fact, it's not just there's no day, there's no hour Because you've got on-demand, 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 on-demand TV, on-demand takeaways, on-demand, although the Chinese does shut. On a Monday, it's very disappointing. They must have their Shabbat on a Monday because it's shut. (laughs) But most places are open, aren't they, 24-7. You are still awake. (laughs) Just about. I'm going to fast it, fast forward it. Antidepressants, second highest prescribed medication after medication to address cholesterol. That is shocking. $250 billion, second highest volume drug in the USA. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in teenagers in the USA. And there's a huge rise in number of people diagnosed with bipolar and schizophrenia. Why? Not just because of this restlessness, but it's all... That all contributes, doesn't it? There's more to life than accomplishment and accumulation. The whole kind of thirst for working more and having more and still not being happy. And it's easy to acclimatise to that culture, isn't it? I've said it. I've done it. I'll have the next gadget. I'll have the next iPhone. I'm on a contract. I just get a new iPhone now. I don't even, you know, the new iPhone comes out and it arrives. It's true. (laughs) That actually, they take the old one off me, Karen. Yeah, and give me a new one. That's how the. That's how the. But the thing is, they get you, don't they? They get you in the. Because then it's like, well, you don't. I'm in the system. (laughs) In the system. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh dear. Somebody else want to finish the message? Somebody else want to finish the message? Oh dear. But you have to have this number of shoes, don't you, Jenny? Oh. <laughs> Tip for tat now. This number of outfits. Do you really need that? We went to Costco just after we'd both listened to this. And she's putting stuff in the trolley. I know she told her version of the story last week, but I'll tell the other version of the story. We do go round we do go round Costco and put things in the trolley and buy them. Sometimes buy them and then I take I quite often take them back. Yeah, I, I took I took stuff back today. Got a refund now, I just changed my mind. But this particular day we were going around Costco. We haven't been to Costco for ages together. I go regularly to Costco. I've spent a lot of money in Costco this last year. Uh, that's why I do my shopping. But she put something in the trolley and then she put something else in the trolley and then she put something else. There was some clothes in there. I don't think there were any shoes this time. Um and she said, she said, what do you think? And I said, and I, we just, I just listened to the teaching around this. And I just went, well, um, do you really need it? <laughs> or are you playing into that system? Oh, oh, she said, oh, that's a, oh, don't say that now. <laughs> good, good, good point. Good point. She said, 
She said, actually, I don't need those, that pair. And she put them back. And then she put something else back as well. Yeah, I'm not going to tell it. But the point is, we're all in that system at some level. The fact I actually need some clothes at the moment because I'm too fat for my clothes is a different issue. So, you know, Martha used to say to us, you know, if you don't, clothes don't fit you, just buy bigger clothes. <laughs> buy bigger clothes. But I really don't want to buy bigger clothes. I want to lose some weight so that my clothes do fit me. So Sabbath is the, is the way to help index our heart away from slavery and discontentment and restlessness of our culture and into the freedom of gratitude and restfulness and peace of the kingdom. How many of you want that? We all do, don't we? I don't need to earn, you do need to earn money to live, obviously, but we don't need to earn God's love. We don't need to earn his favor. We don't need to earn anything from him because our position in him is steadfast. We need to focus on what, uh, we need to focus on what we've been given and what we've got as gift. And also we need to focus on things that you can't buy with money. It's the truth. Pharaoh is dead. He's at the bottom of the Red Sea. We are free. The only slave driver is us in our own heads. It's true. Or the culture, society, the window that we live and look out of. Sabbath is an act of resistance against Pharaoh's system. And it's an act of alignment with Yahweh and his system. And it's for all. It's scheduled social justice every week if we want it to be. Choosing not to service the systems of the world and Pharaoh's system. It breaks the pattern of coercion. We have the opportunity to focus on what we have, to be grateful and have gratitude. And yes, there is some element of discipline. I think that, you know, you make that a good point, Ian. It's a discipline as well. But it's, it's a discipline that's supposed to lead us into a place of joy. You know, if you listen to this book... That by um, Abraham Hirschgel, and he, the way he describes the archety- uh, the architect of time that God has, you know, blessed us with and given us. He's not said, "I've given it you in a place here," or "I've given it you in a system." He's actually given us twenty four hour a whole twenty four hours every single week to step into a place where. We rest and we enjoy him and we delight in him and we resist the system. Society is defined by consumption and production. The value systems are all about what you have and what you haven't got. What have the Joneses got? There aren't any Joneses here, are there? No. Thank goodness for that. The Smiths. Yeah, what have the Smiths got? There's quite a lot of Smiths. (laughs) And people who... Keep Sabbath, live all seven days differently. I have actually, even in a short, although it's, I'm finding it difficult, even sometimes I'm finding it difficult, even in a short, the short space of time that I've tried to m- make the window and stop and enter in, um, I have noticed a difference in, in lots of different things even during the week. Even my kind of desire to overtake every car that gets in my way and my rushing about like I I just found that it's suddenly it's I can't it's really hard to describe it but I found myself sitting in a queue of traffic a few times and thought oh this is a funny position to be in because I don't sit in queues of traffic usually you know I usually I'm trying to make progress all the time all the time all the time because I'm always rushing to get to the next thing and it's felt like that the kind of almost enforced rest has slowed my overall pace down a little bit, which is interesting. So I think that's what he's talking about. You actually begin to live all day a different, you know, the rest of the week differently. It's what you anticipate. And I've got to say, you know, the whole night through this week, I was thinking, which day, Saturday or Sunday, which day, Saturday or Sunday, which day am I going to actually, I know Saturday is Shabbat, but I, it was like, which day? And then it's about making preparation. So, you know, I've made sure the washing is done. I've got no washing to do tomorrow. I've got no jobs to do tomorrow. So you have to think about that ahead of time. You can't get, because the first week I got there and I'm like, like Suzanne, there's all these jobs and they're all piled up. And that's a distraction. And I don't think God wants us to be in that place. So final 
slides coming up now. Okay, Sabbath, buying and selling. Why would we not want to buy or sell or spend time thinking about what we might buy or sell on the Sabbath? It's a question for you. Does anybody want to answer it, having listened so far? Anybody? (laughs) About accumulation, yes. Being a temple? Being what? Oh, not being a money changer. Right, okay. Yeah, a little bit. Go on, Gordon. No. It's a good one. No, that's true. Yeah, Jenny, that's true. Sabbath. <laughs> Very funny, Gordon. If you're purchasing stuff, then you're actually setting your mind back into the world system. Yeah, you are. Absolutely. That's exactly why we don't want to do it. And I've struggled because I've been to the corner shop a couple of times. I'm just saying. But the point is, and I'm not going to tomorrow. I'm going to be really intentional about it. But somebody else got a comment. Oh, Angela. Okay. Run, run, run. Um, what I find interesting is that it's almost like we're preparing for when we can't buy and sell, really, when the mark oh. of the beast comes. It's a practice. Practice, yeah. Um, also, <coughs> another thing that uh, came to mind when you were talking about the system, if you look at uh, countries like China that work 24-7, yeah. uh, people get paid nothing. And they are moving forward and advancing in technology and in the marketplace. And the West, having the rhythm, is now increasing and it's going to get worse and worse to keep up with the social economic uh, competition. So you can see the system is getting, the the stage is getting set for this frenetic buying, selling, be in the pace, be in, be contactable, be your, your, you know, get on the page with the world because you're going to get left behind. Yeah. And it's almost when I saw that, I thought, wow, maybe we are preparing for, we're practicing to not buy and sell and do without for one day because one day we're not going to have the choice. Hmm. Very interesting point. So, yeah, we, n- we don't want to buy into the system. That's the reality. Because as soon as we do, we're actually supporting the system. You know, however m- small it might be, but we're actually supporting the system. So the slavery... Th- so in, in, the, in the sense that if we say in one day in the week, we are not, we are consciously not going to buy into Pharaoh's system. In some ways, we have no choice some of the rest of the week because... We're in the system. We're living in the system. But when we start living that one day in the week out of the system, it will have an impact on how we have more rulership over the system in our own lives because we're actually making that choice. So the whole thing about not, you know, not having the next gadget or next, not having the next, actually I believe there'll be a reciprocal effect on us because we're making that choice weekly not to embrace the pharaoh system does that make sense yeah okay yeah so you go um getting back to the agricultural community and way of life <laughs> and parables and all yeah. that sort of thing i was reminded about the transformations video and the extra enormous yeah. carrots and things the reward really for being obedient and for doing it yahweh's way yeah um and uh people may or may not know we um, my husband and I were in the pick your own business strawberries was the main thing and we grabbed the opportunity to sell every day of the week we were open every day of the week it was hell (laughs) Um, but there was uh, there was an old guy who'd been in the business all his life and he shut his yard gate on a Sunday And we as non-Christians at that stage, we were really impacted by this guy because he was successful. Yeah. 
He had a success that we, he had a sustainability that we never actually achieved. We were, you know, come day, go day. At the end of the day, we had to sell up. He carried on. He got much more of the stickability. And there is a reward for doing it the Lord's way, isn't there? We've all experienced those times of favor. But it's just, I mean, the enormous vegetables really hooked me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Transformations video. Absolutely. Thank you. So the whole thing about, go on, Jenny. Trade connected to work. I wanted to just uh, bounce off what Sue said there. I think we should keep in mind the whole provision but I think the Lord's given us an opportunity for something richer and deeper in our personal life. Um, the book, how many of you incidentally would be interested in us getting the books that we're getting, that we're reading? Would you like to, us to get some in? Because there's, there's about four or five different titles and they're different types of books. The one that Maria's mentioning at the moment, we're listening to it. It is, it's a, if I said it's a mind bender, because it's a classic, it's an old book. So you have to listen to it and, and read it again and again and again to get it. And I just had a, this morning as we were listening to it in the car, I saw the Lord forming in time, a place in time for us to enter into that actually opens up his himself entering into us in a way that you can't I know we come and we worship we build a throne and he inhabits and all that but this one obedience this one thing coming aside stopping everything else and whatever means he takes you on journey wise to connect to him opens up some kind of portal some kind of channel some kind of opening that I believe will in some way or another be manifest. There's no way you can't press into God, delight in him, leave something else behind, whatever what terminology you want to put on that. There's no way that you can make that conscious choice, that uh, intentional choice, and him not meet you. Talk about the bride, what it means, the word. The word sanctify when he says sancti- sanctify and made, made it holy is the same word for marriage you know forsaking all others you make that choice it isn't that you don't love your other brothers but you cannot love anyone else in the way that you choose to love your spouse and it's almost that it's almost like there's, the Lord says if you'll, if you'll forsake that little thing if you'll forsake that little thing and you will choose me above that, in that one moment, it's just transforming. Transforming the heart of the individual, the inner man. And that's why the rest, the coming aside is so important, the stopping everything else to make room for him. Um, somebody got a question? It's, it's not a question. It's actually a comment. Okay. Um, yesterday, yesterday morning, um, Becky wanted to bake some challah bread. She took inspiration from Connie last week, and she wanted to bake some challah bread for Shabbat. And I went shopping yesterday, you know, during during the morning, and I can remember just this this sense that I was shopping for the ingredients, and just. I, I'm going to cry. I could feel God's pleasure. And I just had such a sense of connection. I thought right across the world right now, you know, the Jewish people are doing the same thing and they do not know that there are Christians increasingly doing this and they have no idea. And it is that one new man coming together and we don't see it yet. And it was just this, I felt his pleasure. I was there with my little trolley and I felt like crying and I'm looking around thinking, I wonder if anybody else is doing what I'm doing. It was just this wonderful sense of connection, but in the spirit that, and you, you couldn't have seen it, but God could. And I just felt such a pleasure. And then as we got towards the evening, the resistance, the resistance, it, we, we got into it a bit late. We kind of bounced into it. We tried to prepare, but you could just tell the enemy was resisting it. And, and, and it really is strive to enter that Sabbath rest. <laughs> it really is. But I think the more we do it, the, the more we do it, it'll become so natural. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And if you read Hebrews 4, that whole thing where it talks about striving to enter the rest. So there's effort. You know, some of the teaching we've listened to, there is effort. There is effort engaged to get there. But actually, it's worth it. You know, if you read Isaiah, I've just opened it up, actually, Isaiah 58, verse 13. And I haven't read this verse since listening to this teaching. But I've quoted this verse many times when I've talked about God's appointed times. It says, uh, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath. It makes a lot more sense now when I read it. Call the Sabbath a delight, because that's another translation even for Shabbat. Um, the holy day of the Lord, honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasure, not speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Amen. Okay, I was going to yeah, finish so it. But. Just very quickly, I've been doing Shabbat for about a year. And um, what I've found is when you delight in the Lord and uh, press in, he delights in you. And what you'll find is that, uh, well, what I've found is that um, uh, he starts bringing wonderful things for me to do on the Sabbath. Things that I wouldn't even know in my heart. And it's just the perfect thing. That's and, great. Uh, and he just delights in you. Amen. Amen. So final slide. Sabbath is... An act of resistance to Pharaoh and alignment to Yahweh. It's a line in the sand. It's rebellion against that Egypt system. It's a way of saying enough is enough. It's saying there is more to life than pleasure. It's not what we do. It's not who we're loved by. It's actually about focusing in on him. It's saying there's more to life than production. It's a way, I talked about the addiction, to break our addiction to accomplishment and accumulation. And that's really hard for those of us that are doers and that like that doing and that are very, you know, it is hard. I'm not going to stand here and pretend it's been really easy because it hasn't been really easy. But I have found a new place in him. And there is that provocation from the Holy Spirit that actually it's the right thing. It's the right thing to do, to do, to enter into. It's the right thing to remember and observe and keep it holy amen so you may feel like you're a drug addict in withdrawal (laughs) if you're a super active person but you know what after you've withdrawn from any drug life on the other side of it this is amazing so we want that freedom don't we And I'd like to just encourage you to, you know, journey, explore, read, listen. I mean, that's one of the things I'm doing on my Shabbat is I'm reading. I never read. I don't know. I mean, I read now and again if I'm on an airplane or whatever, but I find it quite hard to find time to read. But reading, not reading magazines or, you know, TV stuff, reading spiritual stuff, reading the word. I read a lot of the word last Sunday. I went through quite a lot of different scriptures So just take that time to soak yourself in him. Amen? Amen. Right. I think I'm going to end it there. So shall we stand and pray? Lord, we know that we've embarked on a journey and um, we're so grateful that you're leading us forward and that you know what (coughs) what the challenges are for each one of us. But Lord, we say we yield to you tonight. We yield to your spirit and we ask you to help us as we, as we make adjustments to align with you, to resist the system of the world and to come into that, that place where we really do experience you as the bridegroom. Lord, thank you that you've created a whole 24-hour period for us to enter into with you. Teach us what that means, Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't want to be those that just I'll pay lip service to it even we know that there is deep that you're calling deep for us to enter in deeply so that we might reflect more of your character and your nature Lord I know that it's that whole rest thing is going to change how I love people how I relate to people I'm not going to be so frenetic so Lord just help us because we want the character of Christ formed in us 
that others might know you, Jesus, Yeshua, Hamashiach, Saviour of the world, King of kings, Lord of lords, Alpha and Omega, Lion of the tribe of Judah. Lord, we want to be a people who are well into the rhythm so that we're ready for eternity in the rhythm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.